Gonna turn it up, please. Them Harlem nights. Gonna turn it up, please. I done fell in love with yeah. Party at the bodega. What up, everybody? This is your man, Ben. This is Pharrell. We're thinking out loud. How's everybody doing out there? What's up? Salute. That's that New York stuff that we do. Ha! All right. Handyman finds a clever way to remove squatters from his mother's house. All right. After squatters took over his mother's home, one handyman took the law into his own hands and uncovered a clever way to force them out. United Handyman Association founder Flash Shelton, uh, founder Flash Shelton became the squatters himself. All right. I dissected the laws over a weekend. I basically figured out the, that until there's civil action, the squatters didn't have any rights. So if I could switch places with them, become the squatters myself, I would assume those squatters' rights, Shelton told, uh, said on Thursday to news sources. After his father died, the family was trying to sell the home, but learned squatters had taken over the residence. Squatters are individuals who do not own or rent a property, but live there. They live there anyway. Upon calling enforcement, Shelton learned there was little police could do. I called local law enforcement, and as soon as they saw that there was furniture in the house, they said that I had a squatter situation, and they had basically no jurisdiction, and they couldn't do anything about it. He said. Shelton then decided to. Uh, he then decided to. He could use squatter rights to take back his home, as a precaution. He also had his mother write and notarize a lease. Every day, man, them boys be out there trying to ride the motorcycles. Some of them motorcycles be cheap as hell, but they just trying they just be dick riding. They trying to be out there like the rest of the bike rider. I'm a bike rider, but everybody on my dick though. So I just put my bike away and shit. So Shelton then decided to uh, Shelton then decided to he could use squatter rights to take back his home. All right, he just he be, he became a squatter himself, so he uses the squatter rights against the squatters to take back his home. As a precaution, he also had his mother write and notarize a lease. I packed up my jeep. All right, this thing always one of like I packed up my jeep drove up there and paced out the joint around four in the morning i waited about eight to eight thirty in the morning three cars pulled out of the driveway and i made entrance to the house i put up cameras waiting for them to come back he stated they didn't even have a lease so that never came into play but when they came back i just laid it out for them told them that it was a all locked up all right. He told them that it was all locked up. They didn't have a lease, so that they never that never came into play. But when they came back, I just laid it out for them. I told them that it was all locked up cameras and the only way they would get back in the house is to is that they break in while the camera is filming everything and I would prosecute. 
I told them that they have a day to get their stuff out or the furniture was not theirs anymore. In many cities across the United States, squatting has become become a worse problem often due to progressive policies favoring squatters and tenants over the landlords. According to news sources, all right, managing director Mitch Rochelle, according like okay, according to Madison Ventures, managing director Mitch Rochelle, real estate markets in cities like New York City, Philadelphia, and Los Angeles could face an exacerbated squatter problem. In New York, squatters are granted rights after just 30 days, which makes it harder to evict. It's a similar story in Los Angeles, where landlords are often forced to pay just to get rid of the tenants who failed to pay. And in Philadelphia, even after a court order orders a person out of a home, sheriffs might show up to evict but end up leaving rather than cause a confrontation. The laws are written to protect the tenant, not the landlord, Rochelle told news sources in June. The local laws that protect tenants at the expense of landlords have fueled this phenomenon because we've basically said forever it's the landlord's fault, not the tenant's fault, if the tenant can't pay rent. He further warns landlords the law is not on your side. Shelton experienced this firsthand. The law would prevent me from physically removing them, he said. However, being that I wasn't the homeowner, I had more rights as a tenant. I would actually have more rights than them. He added that if the squatters were still at the home and did not leave, he would have relied on his lease and tried to make it miserable for them so they would exit on their own. Having solved his own squatter's problem, Shelton is now helping others in a similar circumstance. All right. And calling to make squatting illegal. I do Zoom call consultations, he says. I ask people to make a donation to the cause. And when I can physically, physically go out and help them, then yes, it is. It is something I am doing to help people now as many as I personally possibly can, he told news sources. More importantly to that is I'm trying to change the laws. That's my number one focus. All right. So in helping others' rights now, for for helping others right now, since you know I feel bad, I can't help everyone. But if we can change the squatters' laws, I feel like that's the way I can help everyone. All right. Squatters is a crazy ass problem in America because there's I've seen it. I've seen people who actually do it. I actually physically seen somebody squat at an apartment uh, and they never got out and the homeowner couldn't get them out. To be honest, I think I know somebody that's doing that right now. You know, I don't really talk to him, but I think he's squatting right now and he's been there for a year. He hasn't paid any type of rent. So he's been there for a year. I know somebody that's doing that right now as I'm speaking. And then the property that he's sitting in, uh, I think is under like some type of litigation against the 
the county and the owner. So, so basically, I think the owner is fighting something with the the county over something. So, and the person that I'm speaking of, I believe he know what's going on because he's been getting the letters. He's been receiving all of the mail. So, because he t- he told me a bunch of stuff, I'm not gonna tell you what's going on. I'm not gonna tell you. I'm not gonna say his name or anything like that. But I just know somebody that's doing that right now, and then he he don't receive the mail. So and then he been telling me shit because I be coming around time to time, and then I'm like, man, you still live over here? Cause the place look crazy. It look. The place that he live at look fucking crazy. I don't even know why he's staying there. And then, you know, you know me. I'm asking questions, being nosy. I'm like, what the fuck, bro? And he's like, man, I don't pay rent over here. I'm like, how you, how the hell you get away with that and shit? And that's when he broke it down to me, what's going on and everything. But squatting is everywhere, though. There's a lot of people that do it. There's people that know about um, the laws and how they can get evicted out of a property or a rental property and stuff like that. I never do it because I'm not even like that. You know what I'm saying? If I ain't got the money to pay my rent, then I go to other resources to uh, eradicate my situation. That's just how I am and stuff. I don't play with the laws like that. Like, I'm going to be doing none of that. So... Anyway, I'm going to keep it moving. This is your man, Ben Pharrell, with Thinking Out Loud. All right. Galveston house party shooting leaves two dead and more injured. Okay, let's see what's going on here. All right. Galveston, Texas. Galveston police say two people were killed and others were injured during the shooting at a house party overnight. The shooting was reported around 1.20 in the morning Sunday on Mondo Sino Drive in the Point San Luis subdivision. Okay. Damn, man. All right. Police didn't release further details on those who were killed. Authorities confirmed that others were injured by the gunfire but didn't indicate how many. Several partygoers were interviewed about the shooting, but police say others left before authorities arrived at the scene. There is no suspect in custody at this time. All right, so there was a party at goddamn Galveston uh, that said two people were killed and others were injured during the shooting at a house party overnight. The shooting was reported around 1.20 in the morning Sunday on Mendocino Drive in the Point San Luis subdivision area. All right, the police didn't release further details on those who were killed. Authorities confirmed that others were injured by the gunfire but didn't indicate how many several party goers were interviewed about the shooting, but police say others left before the authorities arrived on the scene. And there ain't no suspect in custody at this point. See what I'm saying? So, that's that's how it be gone. And then I got another one. A man, Houston shooting. A man is accused of injuring ex-girlfriend's husband on Yale. All right. So a man is accused of uh, of a shooting 
A man is accused of shooting his ex-girlfriend's husband early Sunday morning, police say. The shooting was reported around 1.30 in the morning and on the 5700 block of Yale. All right? So, look, let me just reiterate that for you because, like I said, the writers are fucking stupid as shit. All right? Okay, so... The man is accused of shooting his ex-girlfriend's husband, all right? So, that means the husband and this woman are married. So, they probably were separated at a point of time, and she was dating this dude that shot the husband. Do you understand me, um, ladies and gentlemen? So, okay, we're gonna. I have to, like, dissect this fucking paragraph because... Like I said, you know, I don't know. Some of these people went to Rice University. Some of them went to Southern University. Some of them, some of them went to fucking U of H. Some of them goddamn went to fucking Texas A&M and still fucking made it out by graduating, but they still dumb as shit. So now me, who just, I dropped out of college. I only did probably two semesters and I dropped out, did my own thing and stuff. But I'm going to show you who's really the smart one because I did all all of my learning and education. I just did it independently on my own without me spending tuition. All right. According to the police, a husband and wife went to the apartment complex to speak with a man that the wife had dated during the time when the married couple was separated. Just like I said in the beginning. Police say that the couple was there to address some domestic abuse that had reportedly occurred during that time. At some point, police say the ex-boyfriend took out a machine gun type weapon and fired it at the other man. The husband was shot in the abdomen and was taken to the hospital and he is expected to survive. Police say they searched the ex-boyfriend's apartment but learned that he had fled the scene. Police say he is facing charges of aggravated assault with a deadly weapon and a felon in possession of a weapon. All right? So there you go. You see what I'm saying? There go the situation right there. So that shows you uh, there are some details in there that are very taxing. All right? So... Can you really get mad at the felon that shot the goddamn husband? Was the felon scared? So he just, the first thing that he did that, the first thing that he did was to go grab the gun and shoot the guy? Or was the husband being super aggressive? And you see what I'm saying? This is, the details are very taxing. Where, I'm, you know, so that, so that couple, that married couple was, uh, separated at a point in time, you know, and she started dating this dude, the dude that had took the machine gun type weapon and shot at the husband. All right, so it's a, it's a, it's a very, uh, it's one of those situations where, man, you can't really get mad at the suspect like that because why are you even going to his place, his a uh, house? You see what I'm saying? It's very, <laughs> it's one of those situations where you got to be like, damn, bro, we do live in a slavery country. 
Get what I'm saying, ladies and gentlemen? I'm trying to make you open your eyes here, make you understand. You see what I'm saying? These legislators and these lawmakers, whose side are they on? Are they on the side of democracy? Or are they on the side or are they on the side of drum roll, please? I ain't got no drum roll, but are they on the side of some type of agenda to, you know, exacerbate the community or subdivisions or people of color? Or you see what I'm saying? It leads you to asking certain types of questions. All right. This is what we do here. All right. So I'm going to keep it moving. I'm going to give you some more stuff to think about. You already know what time it is. This is what I do every day. Moving along. Katie Mann murdered former classmate, victims, software engineer brothers helped connect them to the crime. All right. All right. The victims, software engineer brother helped connect him to the crime. A Katie man murdered. A Katie, a Katie man that murdered former classmate. All right. After four years, a Katie man has been sentenced for his involvement in his former classmate's murder. Jose Varela, 24 years old, was sentenced to 45 years on Friday after he pleaded guilty to killing his former Cypress Lakes High School classmate, 22-year-old Ziri Hamza Kaleem, all right, on April 27, 2019. This was a premeditated murder that left a family questioning what happened to their loved one for more than a year. Harris County District Attorney Kim Og stated, with help from the victim's family and great police work, we were able to get justice in this horrible case. According to the DA's office, Varela and Kaleem agreed to meet at Varela's home to make a marijuana deal. But when Kaleem arrived, Kaleem arrived, another man, Eric Aguilar, was also there. When they closed the garage door to make that deal, Aguilar shot Kaleem, killing him. The two men then took Kaleem's body to Grimes County to burn the remains. To burn his remains, officials say. Varela drove Kaleem's car to Mexico and dumped it to avoid suspicion. However, Kaleem's brother were able to trace his disappearance back to Valero. Got it, everybody? Okay. Kaleem's family filed a missing person report when they couldn't find him and his brothers used their software engineering skills to identify Varela as the last person to have contact with Kaleem. After an investigation by Detective Demetrius Lewis with the Harris County Sheriff's Office, Varela Aguilar and a third man, whose case is still pending, were arrested. These defendants thought they had gotten away with the murder and had moved on with their lives, but they had not counted on the victim's brother and, and law enforcement relent, relentlessly pursuing Kaleem's whereabouts, Dupree said. This family went an entire year pining away, praying for their loved one to come home, only to find that out that his remains has been burnt because of some marijuana and a couple of hundred of bucks. 
Aguilar was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole in November 2022. All right? So the other guy that got sentenced is the doggone Jose Varela. All right, 24 years old. He was sentenced to 45 years on Friday after he pleaded guilty to killing his former Cypress Lakes High School classmate, 22 years old, Zui Hamza Kaleem, on April 27th of 2019. All right, this was a premeditated murder that left the family questioning what happened to their loved one for more than a year. Harris County District Attorney Kim Og stated, with help from the victim's family and great police work, we were able to get justice in this horrible case. According to the DA's office, Varela and Kaleem agreed to meet at Varela's home to make a marijuana deal. But when Kaleem arrived, another man, Eric Aguilar, was also there. When they closed the garage door to make the deal, Aguilar shot and killed Kaleem, killing him instantly. The two men then took Kaleem's body to Grimes County to burn his remains, officials say. Varela drove Kaleem's car to Mexico and dumped it to avoid suspicion. However, Kaleem's brother were able to trace his disappearance back to Valero. Okay. Colleen's family filed a missing persons report when they couldn't find him and his brothers used their software engineering skills to identify Varela as the last person to have contact with Colleen. Boy, they was downloading them apps like crazy, wasn't they? Mm-hmm. They made sure they was going to find this some of these. Kudos to them. After an investigation by Detective Demetrius Lewis with the Harris County Sheriff's Office, Varela, Aguilar, and a third man, whose case is still pending, were arrested. These defendants thought they had gotten away with the murder and have moved on with their lives. All right, you know I have to reiterate it sometimes and stuff like that. It's like a study session when I do these goddamn podcast sessions, these segments, all right? All right, so people, you got to be aware. Oh, oh yeah, we were talking about this the other night. I forgot about this. Um, In the next couple of years, some people said that I'm wrong. I don't know what I'm talking about, but I believe this was going to happen. All right, listen to me carefully, ladies and gentlemen. And in the next couple of years, I believe there's going to be dispensaries all over the country. There's not going to be no place for a marijuana dealer to sell weed to, to anybody. I believe, I believe full-heartedly there's going to be dispensaries everywhere. Like, they're already doing it in upstate New York. Uh, a bunch of places in California are doing that. I think, I believe they're doing it in Detroit, Chicago, Milwaukee, um, Minnesota, doggone, um, like Cincinnati, uh, what else places? There's a lot of places in Ohio that's doing that, like Virginia, doggone, uh, Georgia. I don't know if Florida doing it. I'm not sure if they're doing it yet. You see what I'm saying? Like Arkansas, doggone, there's going to be dispensaries everywhere. So, And I think the legislation is like behind that because there's always been a situation where somebody is trying to buy some weed or buy some drugs and something bad happens. You see what I'm saying? Uh, uh, yeah, I just got like a message right now that's kind of 
you know, piquing my curiosity. Why is this person sending me a message? Why are they sending me a message? But that, but that is a conversation to have another time. We are talking about dispensaries. There's going to be, I'm pretty sure, I assure you, in the next five years, somebody told me that I'm talking blasphemy. It's not going to happen. I'm like, bro, there's going to be dispensaries everywhere in this bitch. Everybody's going to go to a dispensary in some shape or form to get marijuana. It's not going to be no place for a marijuana dealer or any drug dealers. You know, It might be a certain type of drug dealer, like cocaine or fucking uh, heroin or something of that shape. But as far as marijuana, nigga, ain't, ain't, yo, ain't nobody going to be buying marijuana from a drug dealer. Everybody going to be getting their marijuana from a dispensary. I'm telling you, in the near future, that's how it's just going to be. You know what I'm saying? Uh, and I'm not going to say I could be wrong because I know I'm not wrong. I know that's where it's going to head off to. You can't, you, yo, you got generations that take the place of the last generation. And the way that they think, that's the way it's going to go. You got to understand that. So... Uh, should I do another story? All right, I'm going to give you another story, you know, because y'all was getting mad because I'm doing like only 25 minutes and they want a little bit more than that, you know, especially my truck drivers. You see what I'm saying? They want to listen to more stories than that. All right, let me give you another one, ladies and gentlemen. I'm going to give you another one. New York Police Department to use drones to monitor backyard parties this weekend. Spurring privacy concerns. Yeah, I've been seeing drones a lot lately. All right, New York. Those attending outdoor parties or barbecues in New York City this weekend may notice an uninvited guest looming over their festivities, a police surveillance drone. The New York Police Department plans to pilot the unmanned aircrafts in response to complaints about large gatherings, including private events. Over Labor Day weekend, officials announced on Thursday, if a caller states there's a large crowd, a large party in the backyard, we're going to be utilizing our assets to go up and go check on the party. Kaz Daughtry, the assistant New York Police Department commissioner, said at a press conference, the plan drew immediate backlash from privacy and civil liberties advocates, raising questions about whether such drone use violate existing laws for po police surveillance. All right. Whether such drone use violates existing laws for police surveillance. It's a troubling announcement, and it flies in the face of a post act said Daniel Squartz, a privacy and technology strategist at the New York Civil Liberties Union, referring to a 2020 city law that requires the NYPD to disclose its surveillance tactics. Deploying drones in this way is a sci-fi inspired scenario. The move was announced during a security briefing focused on Juve, an annual Caribbean festival marking the end of slavery that brings thousands of revelers or revelers and a heavy police presence to the streets of Brooklyn. Daughtry said the drones would respond to non-priority and priority calls beyond the parade route. 
like many cities, New York is increasingly relying on drones for policing purposes. Data maintained by the city shows the police department has used drones for public safety or emergency purposes 124 times this year, up from just four times in all of 2022. They were spotted in the skies after a parking garage collapse earlier this year and when a giveaway event devolved into teenage mayhem. All right. Mayor Eric Adams, a former police captain, has said he wants to see police further embrace the endless potentials of drones. All right. So Mayor Eric Adams said he wants to see police further embrace the endless potential of the drones, citing Israel's use of the technology as a blueprint after visiting the country last week. But as the technology proliferates, privacy advocates say regulations have not kept up, opening the door to the intrusive surveillance that would be illegal if conducted by a human police officer. One of the biggest concerns with the rush to roll out new forms of aerial surveillance is how few protections we have against seeing these cameras aimed at our backyards or even our bedrooms said Albert Fox Khan, the executive director of the Surveillance Technology Oversight Projects. In other words, in acronyms, you could call it STOP. The NYPD did not respond to an email seeking further information about its drone policies. In response to a request for comment, a spokesperson for Mayor Eric Adams shared a link to new guidelines that make it easier for private drone operators to fly in the city, but which do not address whether the NYPD has any policies for drone surveillance. Around 1,400 police departments across the country are currently using drones in some form. According to a recent report from the American Civil Liberty Union, under federal rules, they are gener generally limited to flying within the operator's line of sight, all right? Though many departments have requested exempt exemptions, okay, the report predicted the use of drones was poised to explode among police departments. Khan, the privacy advocate, said city officials should be more transparent with the public about how police are currently using those drones with clear guardrails that prevent surveillance overreach in the future. Clearly, flying a drone over a backyard barbecue is a step too far for many New Yorkers, Khan stated. Yeah, those police officers do use drones. I already know that. I've seen it, all right? I did see it. I know I be seeing a lot, ladies and gentlemen, but guess what? I be out there in them streets. I'm outside. I, I don't be inside. I be outside, all right? The only time I'm inside is when I'm eating, doing podcasts, or I'm about to go to sleep. But the rest of those times, I'm outside. The police are using drones to do whatever investigations or whatever they're trying to do out there, all right? So it's a little too far, and it's kind of, it, could, it could turn into a fiasco. Like, they could use certain data to make change the narrative just to arrest somebody. Does that make any type of sense for you, ladies and gentlemen? 
Does that make any type of sense? Because my podcast is helping a lot of people out there. All right. I know it is. I know it is. All right. That's why I do it. And all I need is the exposure of what I'm doing. But there's a lot of people that's like, man, who is this guy? We cannot let him get any exposure. He's going to destroy us all, all right? This is the new innovation of technology of where a podcast is a goddamn radio show. You see what I'm saying? You could just flick me on and flick me off, all right? Doesn't matter. You see what I'm saying? You don't even have to follow me, you know? But sometimes you could stop on by just to see what the hell is going on, all right? I don't know what the police, the police got tactics and the criminals got tactics just as well. But guess what? We in the day of age where we cannot say the police are the good guys. Police is just an entity now and criminal organizations are, are, are entities as well. So when the two diverge or the two get um, uh, mixed together, you see what I'm saying? You have a criminal wearing a badge now. This is the argument here, all right? Some legislators going to try to say, oh, that's appalling, that won't happen. Oh, yes, it does happen because sometimes a criminal does wear a police badge at times, all right? So, like I said, um, like I said a while ago, uh, footage used by a drone Especially, I don't know if a police officer has like some type of ulterior motives or, or if they have some type of bias um, thing against a suspect or, you, you see what I'm saying? They could use the footage to change the narrative of whatever criminal investigation is going on. You know what I'm saying? I had to repeat that again so you could understand, so you could decipher it yourself. All right? That can happen. Even though... They got the timing and everything. They still could change it, bro. They could, they could, they could have their own drone. They could have their own. The police drone could be um, the equipment for the police department, and then they could have their own drone, and they could try to change the narrative of whatever whatever investigation that they're working on at the time being. But anyway, I'm gonna cut this apple pie short and sweet. This is your man Ben Farrell with Thinking Out Loud. You can subscribe to my YouTube, which is Box Benji B-O-X-B-E-N-J-I. Same name that you can use to follow me on Instagram. All right. And you could type that in the search engine on TikTok, Box Benji, B-O-X-B-E-N-J-I. All right. I'm going to highlight you later on another segment, all right? Don't worry. I will have another one on today, all right? So this is Thinking Out Loud. Peace.